0: You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkouts not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.
1: Oh, drama as always in the NBA where else would you go for the latest and greatest? But here on the Hangtime Podcast, Seku Smith in Atlanta. My main man, Greg Anthony, is on the road in San Antonio. We will get him shortly to talk about the goings on around the league. But first, we're going to have our special guest this week, Ryan Ruco of the Yes Network and ESPN, joining us here for the first time on the Hang Time Podcast. Ryan, how are you, sir? I'm good, Sekou.
2: Thanks for having me, man.
1: Hey, man, look, I couldn't think of anybody better to talk to when we start talking about the, the midseason <laughs> drama going on around the league. You see this as much as anybody. Jason Kidd, relieved of his duties uh, on Monday in Milwaukee. The Cleveland Cavaliers... Up to their eyeballs in daily drama, General Hospital style drama. What do you What do you make of all of this craziness that's going on around the league? This really not game related. I mean, we've had locker room stormings. We got MMA fights breaking out almost every other night around the league. I mean, what's going on
2: in the NBA right now? I think what's going on is everyone associated with the league is going to continue to make a lot of money. That's what I say <laughs> because if you're going through a long season and especially one in which you will have some level of confidence, who's going to be the champions at the end of it. Right. And, and and perhaps a higher level of confidence than you have in any other professional sport, that that's not going out on a limb at all. You need to have these different twists and turns along the journey to generate that drama and those storylines within the overarching storyline of the season And I just feel like the NBA has done a better job, whether by design or not, of cultivating that over the last few years than anybody. I mean, you think about the different storylines that consistently pop up throughout the course of a regular season. And you're able to get lost in that (laughs) instead of falling into some sort of apathy in regard to, well, but it's all going to end with the Warriors winning. You know, I mean, it's pretty great that we continue to have these things pop up. So, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like there's definitely. I mean, in this sport, I think there's a thirst from those who cover it, um, who understand the value of the entertainment aspect of it. I think the the, the players understand the entertainment value. I, I think everybody kind of gets it. So, I'm not saying a, a firing is an, is something that's entertaining, but I think for those reasons, molehills do become mountains more quickly in this league because there's some awareness that. It just helps the brand overall. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Do you, I mean, having been around Jason Kidd and, and knowing what kind of personality he is, were you stunned at all that the Bucs made that decision? Because he certainly, from his comments I read in Ramona Shelburne's article uh, on ESPN.com, he certainly didn't seem surprised that they made that move.
2: You know, I'm a little surprised because they're still one of the youngest teams in the NBA. And I can remember talking with Jason earlier this year before um, I was going to do the Bucks and Spurs in November and him saying, you know, people forget like there are levels to learning how to win just having the talent. It just isn't enough. It's, It's a progressive thing that happens over the course of time. And it's harder for younger players, regardless of their ability. And, you know, look no further than Minnesota right i mean it took them yeah. getting jimmy butler really this year and jeff peeg veterans who have won before and even taj gibson to take that young talent and turn them into players that knew how to hold on to leads late in games and and become a, a no doubt playoff team and maybe a top 3 seed so i feel like jason was always aware of that process um and you know Management sometimes isn't. Uh, In fairness, though, you know, I I think we're all, if you ask me the the team who has surprised me the most with its record this year, it might be Milwaukee because I thought for sure they were going to take a big step this season. You know, they didn't quite take the leap over the last two years that we thought they were going to, and I thought for sure, okay, this year they were primed to now, even without Jabari Parker. And then especially – once they go Eric Bled, got Eric Bled, so who gave them much needed speed. So, right. you know, would I have made this move yet? I I probably wouldn't have because. I, I like the way that kid also connects with Giannis, and that guy is more important than anything when it comes to this franchise. Exactly, but I'm um, but I'm not surprised. I, I can't say I'm totally surprised because they have underachieved.
1: Yeah, Ryan, I'm I'm always looking at the connecting dots around the league. You know what is mm. going on in one place and how that may impact what happens somewhere else later. That Brooklyn team and Kenny Atkinson it, 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 has had them playing to me at a very competitive level. I know they they haven't won a lot of games but they fight, you know, and they battle, and they play a, a certain style. And now I'm looking at that pick that Cleveland has and what it's going to mean if, if that Nets pick isn't nearly as valuable as some in Cleveland might have anticipated. Does Danny Ainge look like the mastermind that, that his moves somehow always seem to reflect if Brooklyn Danny, keeps playing yeah. well?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think Danny Ainge is like, he, he's got like that degree from that college that was like great, and then the college just put it more and more popular. And that degree <laughs> keeps getting more and more powerful. You know, like every move Danny Ainge makes, I feel like at the time you're like, "Oh yeah, that was a really good move." And then like a year later, you're like, "Wait, no, that wasn't really good. That was great." Yeah. And then a year later, you're like, "Oh you no, know, that was the greatest move of all time." You know, I mean, <laughs> he, he he sort of had that happen five times over now, um, and I do think that you know, look having seen and called games of basically everybody in the NBA this season and and, and no team more so than Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, they are not they're not one of the bottom 5 teams in the NBA this year you right. know they have more talent than they did and they play hard you know they've 18 wins already which is more than five teams in the west and you know more than two teams in the east they uh, they had 20 all of last year and they've done it without Jeremy Lynn, who was their best player going into the season, and D'Angelo Russell's missed 33 games. You right. know? So now with Russell back, the way Dinwiddie's developed without him and Levert's developed on the ball, I, I mean, I don't know what the exact number would be, and who knows what happens with the Nets uh, as the season goes along, if there are any trades to be made. But I could easily see them winning 30, 32 games, something like that, and that's not going to be you know, a top-three pick. So, I mean, I could easily see them picking somewhere around 7 or 8 or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're Cleveland, you can be a little more aggressive with trading that pick, especially knowing the timetable you're on with most of your core. Yeah. I
1: mean, I, I, I knew Kenny when he was an assistant here in Atlanta. I've known him throughout the years. So I know what kind of guy he is, what kind of coach he is. But what kind of culture has he brought? to the Nets in terms of how they work in that locker room and as a staff and, and, and with that front office?
2: I, I honestly, Seku, I've been around them now. This is my ninth season being involved in some way. It is night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to be disrespectful to the way things were before. That really is just to amplify how excellent and in sync Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson are. You walk into their practice facility and you can just feel – the focused organization of everybody moving in symmetry. You know whether it's their performance team, their training staff. You know the way they attack video. All of these things, uh, they they really have focused on the system first, and then find the right pieces to fit it. And it, it's gone back to some decisions that they've had to make over the last two off seasons, where there were you know more talented players available, and the Nets had money to spend, especially two years ago, and they just said, you know what. this guy probably doesn't fit the culture we're trying to build, even though he might be our best player, second best player, we're going to have to stay away. You know, those kind of decisions where they really prioritize character first and foremost so that they could build this culture they want to. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of it comes from uh, Sean, first of all, intelligence. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's talked to Sean Marks knows that guy is, you know, crazy smart. And then the skills and – and relationship values he learned in San Antonio. And then with Kenny, it is a ridiculously relentless work ethic and the ability to relate. Like, the players love him. You know, he's out on the floor working with the players. How many head coaches do you see doing that on a consistent basis? And they rave about the experience of playing for him. And that doesn't mean he's not hard on them, but he's a guy who played in, you know, countries all over the world who is always grinding for that NBA chance and who appreciates this opportunity as much as anybody could. And I I mean, if I'm the Nets, I'm looking at Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson and I'm saying, I want to give you both six year deals right now (laughs) because you're the foundation of, of, of hope for this fan base. And it definitely has turned uh, the emotions around for Nets fans, just the way they trust these two guys. Yeah.
1: Ryan Rucco, Yes Network and ESPN join us here on Hangtime Podcast. Ryan, I'm curious about two guys in particular. Um, hey. young, young guys who have got profiles but haven't necessarily put together the kind of uh, results that they probably would have imagined this, at this stage of their careers. D'Angelo Russell, as you mentioned, uh, you know, coming back off that injury and, and off of missing a ton of time. And then Jaleel Okafor. Um, a guy who's been a mystery to a lot of people, you know, given his time in Philly and, and how that broke down. What What's your assessment of those two guys in this situation right now and maybe what is in store for them in the near future?
2: You know, I think one of the good signs for Russell since he's come back is he has been incredibly engaged uh, defensively, especially vocally on the defensive end and taking on uh, – somewhat of a leadership role. And, you know, it's interesting. I was literally having this conversation yesterday with CeCe Sabathia and Carlos Beltran, Mm. and they were talking about how there is nothing like being hurt as an athlete to make you appreciate the opportunities you have when you're healthy. And I don't know if that's what's going to happen or is happening with D'Angelo Russell, but just already hearing his teammates talk about the way he's been communicating on the floor in the couple games since he's gotten back. That's really interesting to me because I don't know that that's some way we would have described D'Angelo going into this season. And I'm interested to see how that evolves. You know, his game, his body control is incredible. Um, He's the guy with the most natural talent uh, on this team. Um, And, I think the, you know, the coaching staff actually was thrilled with the work he put in during his time off. And I know, you know, you hear those kind of lip service payments all the time, but digging a little deeper as I was able to do it. I mean, it was very legitimate. They were really happy with the workouts he put in while he was hurt. And actually, you know, one of the things they wanted him to do, improving strength in his body, he was able to do while he was injured. So I'm curious about how that will translate. The other good thing for him is he's attached himself to Karis LeVert, who is just a total gym rat. Um, and so you hope that those two can push each other. Uh, but I think that D'Angelo getting to play off the ball a little bit more because of the way Karis and Spencer Dinwiddie have developed is going to help him. So I, I think right now, you know, it's too early to make any kind of assessment on what D'Angelo can be, will be, whatever. But I I definitely still believe there's a lot of hope there and as far as Jaleel goes, you know, he's had some moments in games where it's like, whoa, you know, that guy, he can he can still flat out score. You know, he had a he I'm trying to think of oh, he had a big fourth quarter in Atlanta, he had some good minutes against Boston. I think it's going to take a while for him to find consistency. Um, but there is there's definitely a place for him uh in this Nets offense and I think you know, one thing that's already struck him is just how focused on development the Nets are. And, you know, they've done it with much less talented or much less obviously talented players. If you just look at the way certain guys have grown over the last couple of years, you know, whether it's, it is a Spencer Dinwiddie or it's a Joe Harris or even a Rondé Hollis Jefferson, you've seen these players' games get so significantly better that if you're someone like Jali Okafor, you're looking at it and saying, man, if they can do that, With those guys who weren't, you know, the second pick in the draft, what can they do with me? Or weren't the third pick in the draft, what can they do with me? And so I think that's something that he's really embracing, and we'll see what comes of it.
1: Yeah, I've been saying for the last few years, and as an observer of the league for a long time, you see trends. You see, you know, teams going out and just trying to pile up stars. The player development component around the league right now, to me, is at a zenith, where you look and say, They've invested so much time, so much energy, so many resources to improving the young players on their own roster. And that's really how you're going to take that next step. If you're a franchise like the Nets or somebody else, if you can't get your hands on the big name free agents. You almost have to go you know, into your own organization and really fine tune your player development program to get better. I'm, I'm wondering if you've noticed that in more places than just Brooklyn, if you've seen that around the league maybe as a trend where player development has become kind of that new vanguard.
2: Yeah, I, that's a great word for it, Sekou. I think it really has because, you know, I, I th- and I do think one of the residual effects of that is the way it attracts you to free agents and to, you know, to prospective players, Because they, you know, Jeff Van Gundy always says this, like, great players want to be coached. Like, you know, great players, they want to get better. They want to maximize their potential. They truly want to be great. And if they see a place that's doing that, then it is more attractive to them. I know from talking to players and agents, the Nets have become incredibly, you know, they've become much more attractive to prospective free agents because, of you know their facilities their culture and the way they've been developing uh their players not to say they're going to get the great a guys yet but it's also about right if you don't if you're not going to attract those free agents yet and especially if you don't have your your draft picks how can you turn internal assets into chips for you to build for that future you want you know can you turn a guy into somebody who brings back a first round pick can you turn a guy into you know, somebody who brings back two second-round picks, whatever it is. So it's just advantageous for you to build. And you know, the other organization I think of that's had that established for a long time is Miami. Yeah.
3: You know,
2: Miami is is so well known for their program and and how they they just they continually take these players and get the absolute most out of them, and they turn guys who you know were overlooked three and four different places into rotation players and then into starters and occasionally into all stars. And I think that, you know, it starts with having that, that firm grasp of, uh, you know, a concentrated uh, vision of of what to do uh, in the organization top to bottom with Pat Riley and with Eric Spolstra. Um, I also think Oklahoma city over the years has been a team that's Mm -hmm. been able to really do well with player development. Um, And that's been a great focus for them as well. And a big selling point, you know, and I do think, you know, much the way uh, we've seen the NBA, you know, the, another new Vanguard, right. It's like just valuing draft picks. Like, yes. The way that that, <laughs> that, that is gone. Yes. I do think you're right. I think we're going to see more and more player development become something that teams focus. Uh, more and more on, getting the most out of the assets that they're already committed to.
1: No question. Ryan Rucco, Yes Network and ESPN, join us. Listen, man, I appreciate it. We will continue to listen and watch you do fantastic work, man, on the airwaves. And I appreciate you taking a little time this week.
2: You got it, man. I appreciate the kind words. So great speaking with you. And anytime uh, I can help, please don't hesitate.
1: Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. You got it. All right, from Ryan Bruco on this week's Time Podcast, we go somewhere deep south in Texas. My partner in crime, my main man, Greg Anthony, is in San Antonio to call the Cavaliers-Spurs game. And who better to ask, what the hell is going on with these two teams, Jay? What, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of—we got Kawhi and drama on the Spurs side. The Cavaliers got more drama than daytime soap opera. You know, Kevin yeah. Love, IT,
4: people's jobs and day. What's what's going on down there? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a <laughs> lot of, obviously, frustration. Uh, and really in both camps. I mean, you look at San Antonio, we'll start with the easier subject first. Right. I mean, they are 12 games over 500 at this point. But you realize that there are only three wins. Three losses away from their loss total of all of last season. Wow. That's pretty incredible. And there's definitely some friction in terms of how this whole rehab situation with Kawhi Leonard has been handled. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's definitely been a disconnect there. And let's face it, without him, uh, as great a coach as Popovich is, this is a team that could very easily be out in the first round. Right. I mean, they they just very easily could be. They are, they struggle to score, still solid defensively, but in today's game, you get in the postseason, you're not going to hold teams under 100 points, yeah. you know, six or seven times. Their offense is a serious issue. Uh, they made the decision that they're going to put Dejounte Murray in that starting lineup permanently, which I like, and, and I think it's yeah, I think it's yeah. a, it's a good decision. Listen, Tony Parker's a Hall of Famer; has had a Hall of Fame career, but the reality is at this point his ceiling doesn't give them a chance to compete contend in the West. Like right. he, he, he can't do enough at this stage of his career to compete with the elites in that Western Conference. And we don't know if DeJounte Murray can, but we do know that physically he has a higher ceiling. Yeah. Uh, but the only way he's going to ever reach that is to have an opportunity to grow and, and make mistakes consistently and, and have the confidence knowing, okay, it's my job you know, that that does have a way of, of freeing up young players. Uh, and I think it's really a decision made out of necessity for Greg Popovich and this team moving forward, especially when you factor in not having Kawhi. And, and even if and when they get him back, you know, he may not be the guy we saw a year ago. And Pop was very candid with me about that uh, last week uh, when I had a game, had him, uh, had them for a game. And, and so that that's something that, San Antonio Spurs fans are going to have to uh, maybe deal with here as we move forward with the season. Yeah.
1: LeBron James is seven points shy of 30,000. Uh, you know, an unbelievable milestone for any player. But certainly for him, the youngest player to reach that plateau, to join in that elite group of scores. And if they get beat and they can't be dispersed, nobody will even – it'll be a barely be a footnote, G.A., because of all of the – Kevin Love talked, the you know, the team meeting on Monday that supposedly got heated, Isaiah Thomas saying one thing, LeBron saying something else, Ty- Tyron Lou making sure to remind everybody that the players can say what they want, but that's why he's the coach and they're the players. I mean, where do you go with yeah. your Cleveland trying to not only stabilize things from this little tailspin year since Christmas, but also looking forward with the trade deadline hanging out there, just looming out there? How do you, how do you satisfy some of these fears and, and also... Keep your eyeball on the fact that if you need to change this roster, need to change this
4: team, that time is coming. Yeah, uh, I think a couple things you got to focus on if you're them. <laughs> Listen, they are a bad basketball team right now. <laughs> um, that's just the bottom line. There, so. And and they know it. Everybody knows it. Stevie Wonder can see that, right? <laughs> Everybody can see that they're just not a very good basketball team right now. That's okay in reality if you factor in what all they're dealing with, right? I mean, they had that great stretch where they won 18 out of 19 but then, you know, you get IT coming back and let's face it after seven games, you can't expect for him to be at an all-star level. Here's a guy that has not played basketball since last May. right? No training camp, new team, uh, new terminology, new system, and it's going to take him some time. And it's a domino effect until they figure out who he is, and he figures out who he is. It's hard to then develop an identity of how you're going to play. So they're going to continue to struggle. They they will be able to win games, but they're going to continue to struggle for a while. And might I add, they've been in this boat basically every year since LeBron's been back in Cleveland. Yeah, you know they tend to struggle around this t- this uh, time of year. That they're an older team still, even though they have gotten some younger pieces and a little more athletic. They still have a core nucleus that's, you know, a little long in the two. So they're going to all, that group's going to have more struggles in the regular season than, than most. Ultimately, if you're Teron Lou and, and you're the Cavs faithful, you just want to get to a point where you're able to win games, but then you start developing consistency once we get into February, moving into March, and then you start ramping up for the postseason. Um, I, I'm not, it's not a time to panic for me with this group. I, I just, I would be more concerned if, if LeBron were showing that he's not uh, you know able to be that guy. Right. That's not the case. They just got to wait to get those other guys. They still have a lot of issues with, with injuries and I do think there's a possibility that they make a move mm-hmm. before the deadline. Uh I I think they just would you want to make sure you don't make a panic move and something you regret. Even this season, forget about trading the the, the potential lottery pick. You just want to make sure whatever moves you are give you a chance to not only win this year, but moving forward. So, you know, I'm anxious to see them tonight because they're in a lot of ways going through the same issue San Antonio is right now. You know, San Antonio's lost six out of its last ten. They've been a poor road team, which has always been one of the staples of the Spurs, right? They've always been a a good road team. They're four games under five hundred on the road themselves and so it, it's gonna be a challenge. They they struggle to score the basketball. The the Cavs struggle to defend it. So it should be a match made in heaven. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I don't I
1: don't like GA is I don't like Kevin Love being the easy target, being the pinata up there. Whether it's oh, yeah. whether that's valid or not, whether people want to take issue with him Handling things the way he did at the game over the weekend, and I, I just think that's that's low hanging fruit for somebody to to yeah. throw Kevin Love under the bus like that.
4: I agree with you. And listen, I think overall Kevin's been pretty good. I don't think any of them have been good here of late, right? You know, absent you know this last month, they LeBron has not been very. Uh, but but overall, I, I don't listen, I don't think Kevin loves their problem. Right. That's the best way I could put. it. Uh, does he have some deficiency? Yeah, but remember, you're also asking of their main guys. He's the guy that's asked to make the biggest sacrifice. He's exactly. now having to go play center uh, and, and also not necessarily always being a focal point for him offensively. That being said, I, I think he's fine. Uh, anytime a team that shoots the three as much as they do, uh, you tend to have stretches where you struggle making threes. I think that also hurts them defensively, too, because those long misses, They do lead to runouts. Um, I just think they got to believe that eventually they're going to shoot the ball consistently enough, and and that's going to help them offensively. Like a lot of their issues of late have have been about the style of play. And and listen, they're they're going to have some struggles uh, moving forward, but I do think that we'll see them at some point figure it out because again, they're just they're built differently than, than you know, say Boston, Toronto, still very young cores. Uh, you know, Houston and Golden State, they're different animals. Those right. are the two best teams in the league in my estimation right now. Um, but but Cleveland's one of those teams that when you get to the postseason, now the game changes. Everybody's right. on the same schedule. There are no back-to-backs. There's time for preparation. Coaching means more uh, because you can really focus in on tendencies and, and, and take certain things away. And that's where I think you'll see them at their best. The problem, though, is – we're not there yet. We got another you know, eight weeks, <laughs> right. not, you know, ten weeks before we yeah. get to that point. So uh, you, they better start trying to figure it out. Because right now, listen, they're closer to being out of the playoffs than they are to the one right. You know, they're six games back of one, and and they're only basically uh, four games ahead of or five games ahead of the nine spot. So right. not that I see anybody, not that I see know, out of the playoffs, right. but uh, – uh, listen, they're going to want to start trying to play better basketball, playing 600 basketball for a championship caliber team. I don't think it's going to get it. Yeah.
1: i tell you what's not going to get it either. Um, not responding to my text, yeah. I sent him a text. What? I sent you a text
0: yesterday. Like...
1: No response.
4: No response. Was he playing? Was he hooping or something? Or I don't know he if going? he was
1: playing ball or if he was somewhere playing around with his supercomputer, but I'm very Marching offended. The numbers. Yes, I'm very offended. Shoe, what's up? You don't, you don't answer texts anymore, huh? Fellas, what's happening?
3: <laughs> if you text sake, like you know me. If you text me on a Monday, <laughs> there's like a more the better than fifty percent chance I am sleeping on, <laughs> as I recover from my power rankings uh, sleepless night. So, right, forgive me. I'm I just I thought I'd get a rise out of you with my
1: text about Jason Kidd. I'm just uh, <laughs> I know he's not the point of our uh, Schumann
3: stat trivia oh, this week he's, but he's involved in our Schumann staff oh though. let's go bring it <laughs> bring it alright so on Monday night the Wolves beat the Clippers I'm gonna ask Seku for it only cause I know GA knows the answer to this question <laughs> why was why was that win significant for the Wolves beating the Clippers and improving to 31 and 18 on the season uh,
1: oh. uh. I have no idea cuz they need cuz they need everyone they can get to end
3: the playoff drought. I don't know. 31 is the key number. That's the na- a number of games they won oh, last okay. year. I
1: got you. Okay. Okay.
3: So the Wolves are the first team to match last year's win, win total. total. Ah, okay. Good for them. And that's that's not the trivia question. No. So the Wolves if they continue on their p- the, the pace that they're on, they'll they'll win 51 or 52 games. Um And that'll give them an increase of 20 or 21 games from last season. Mm -hmm. So the question is, over the last 20 years, there are eight teams that have seen a win increase of at least 25 games from the season before. Okay. Um, And I want to know how many you can name. Now, this 20 years is going back to the 2001-2002 season, because I didn't want to include... Um, 2000 2001. No, excuse me. It goes to oh, 2000 yeah, 2001 season because I didn't want to include the season before, which is taking win increases from the lockout, lockout season. Yeah. So, okay. so basically, we're going to uh, 2000 2001. All right, there are eight teams that have seen a win increase from twenty of twenty five wins or more. Wow. Okay.
0: let so to got see a, how many
3: you can name. How many can we name? Oh, Cleveland's one. Cleveland is not one. They're not. So, when LeBron went back to Cleveland, they went from 33 wins to 53 wins. hmm And, interestingly, they saw a bigger win increase when they got Mo Williams in 2008. They went from... Forty five in two thousand seven, oh eight, and they were the four seed, to sixty six in two thousand eight, oh nine. Okay. So Mo Williams made a bigger increase bigger <laughs> impact on the Cavs <laughs> than LeBron did when he came back. Uh uh <laughs> how, give me, let me all right I
1: want a lifeline. How many Eastern Conference, how many are Western Conference?
3: Ooh, okay. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five east, three west. Five the east. number one should be fairly obvious. It happened. Ten seasons ago, okay, five, and the eight. team went to win the cha- went on to win the championship. Boston. The only one of these eight that won the championship. Oh, yeah, I,
1: was, I was thinking Boston Celtics.
3: Yeah, correct. Yep. Boston went from twenty four wins to sixty six wins yep. when they got uh, KG and Ray right. Allen. Right. Um, two on this list are about the point guard that they added. Clippers. Nope. No. Oh, uh, nah,
0: that's
1: a lot. Of- twenty five is a lot. Yeah. I was thinking when they got Chris Paul they might have went.
3: No, nah, they were decent. Went
1: nuclear but they didn't, I guess.
3: Uh, what about Phoenix? Phoenix, correct. Yep. Went from 29 and 53 in 0304 to 62 and 20 yep. in Steve Nash's Steve, Nash, Steve yeah. Nash returned to Phoenix. Okay. Uh Correct. Hurr. Another hall of, soon to be Hall of Fame point guard joining a new team. Jason Kidd going to Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. correct. They went from 26 and 56 to 52 and 30. It's 26 win increase. Nets, yes. Went to the finals. All right. Okay. The other ones are a little bit tougher. All right. Um, let's and see if last. I can give you some hints. Jason Kidd is involved in another one. It's a weird it's a it's a interesting one considering <laughs> what happened yesterday. <laughs>
0: Where the Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks went
3: from 15 and 67 to 41 and 41 in Kidd's first year as a coach. That's right. I did read that That was uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo's second season. Yes, I did read that. The only like personnel change that seemed somewhat significant for me is they traded for Jared Dudley. Don't hate on Jared Dudley. They had a huge in, uh, improvement defensively in that first year, I think before a team sort of figured out what they were doing defensively and, and knew how to play against it. Right. So they went uh, from 15 to 41 wins, which is pretty incredible.
1: Yeah. Who else in the West? Somebody else that I'm thinking of in the West made a big jump like that.
3: Flippers?
1: Nope. It was, Oklahoma City didn't have that big a jump, did they? They did. They,
3: did they went okay, from yeah. 23 and 50. Nine in Durant's second season and Westbrook's rookie season mm-hmm. to fifty and thirty-two. Okay, that was uh, in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Right, that was Scott Brooks' full se- first full season as coach, mm-hmm. and also the rookie years for Harden and Ibaka. So right. they went from twenty-three to fifty. That's a twenty-seven. Okay, winning yeah,
1: field. they did. Then all right. I was, I was so let me
3: see. We got Boston. We got uh, we got uh, New Jersey, Milwaukee, Oklahoma City. And, and Phoenix. Phoenix, so we're missing one, two, three. All right. Uh. I give you a hint. Right. Uh When LeBron, Lebron's rookie year, the Cavs weren't a very improved team, mm-hmm. but this team in the West was improved with another rookie. Oh, Denver, Denver, Denver. Yeah, correct. Carmelo. That's Seven, right. Seventeen and sixty-five That's to forty-three right. and thirty-nine. That's right. And did Melo make the All Star
1: team his rookie season? No. And that's why when I hear people scream about rookies making an all-star team nowadays, I'm like, if you don't have the kind of impact Melo had that rookie season and make an all-star team, then you shouldn't make it just because you got pretty numbers now. But that's just and a LeBron, side.
4: LeBron, the Cavs doubled their win total that yeah. year as well. Yeah, then they go from 17 to 34?
1: Yeah, and he didn't make the all-star team. I yeah, they think. went from 17 no. to 35. Come on. 35 yeah. And you wanted me to put a rookie on an all-star team? Man, nah, you better get out of here. No, that's it's a tough call. Yeah,
4: okay. I don't think Magic made it
1: then i definitely don't want to see somebody talking about a rookie making an all-star team. Um who the else?
3: last two or the last two on this list are tough. One had a uh, 27 win increase, one had a 28 increase, increase. Both are in the last 10 years. Both Eastern both Conference the teams.
1: These are Eastern Conference teams, right?
3: Yeah. Man. Let's see. Uh, I've been around guy, I've been around Atlanta. I
1: know they had some the big one. jumps, but I don't remember nope. them. Nope. Having that big of an increase.
3: But think about a guy who left Atlanta and then made a big impact on his new team. What, what, what guy had a huge contract, got traded from the Hawks, and his new team became pretty good? Joe Johnson joe johnson yeah. correct joe the John. brooklyn nets brooklyn, or actually yeah. the, new, the new jersey, new jersey nets yeah. in their last season in jersey were 22 and 60 mm-hmm. in the first season in brooklyn the nets were 49 and 33 where are they they added joe johnson um they also basically added brook lopez who played five games the year before mm-hmm. and then was healthy in that first year in brooklyn it was gerald wallace's first season in brooklyn he was decent that year Yeah, he, he played hard that year he did And uh, actually, they they actually fired Avery Avery Johnson when they were fourteen and fourteen, and then PJ Carlismo had a had a great record the rest of the way, right? Uh, And then they had a disappointing loss in the. the the, was this last team? Eastern Conference. This last team is interesting. It's because they were really good, and then they fell off completely, and then they started to climb back up again. Mm.
1: Mm. I'm trying to think of what Miami's record was. Before
3: 40. Uh, you got the you, you got it. So what's the season though?
1: Yes, it's, it's it was one of Miami's teams that went crazy like
3: after they had been had struggled. Right. Um they were 15 and 67 in 2007-08. So 2 years right. after they the second That's year right. after they won the championship, they fell to 15 and 67 and they traded Shaq. That's right. And then the following season um, and Wade missed 31 games the, that year. Yeah, and so the following season they got a full season of Wade or close to it. And they went from 15 and 67 to 43 and 39. Also, Michael Beasley's uh, rookie, rookie year. year.
4: Yeah, the rookie year. Yeah. yeah, that's right.
3: So that was it. It was an interesting list because some of them are kind of obvious, like the Nets getting kid the Suns getting right. Nash, the, the Celtics getting uh, KG and Ray Allen. But then the other ones are kind of interesting, you know. The Bucks adding Kidd as a coach and have him having a great year as a as a, as a first year coach. Um, the Nuggets adding Mello. yeah. Um, and then the, that Heat team and then that Brooklyn team, you know, sort of putting it together. And then obviously the Thunder evolving pretty quickly.
1: I just want everybody to know, think be be happy that your livelihood doesn't depend on me in GA getting these trivia oh, answers quickly.
4: Goodness. We've actually been doing pretty good. This one, this one—that was a hell of a question, though. without a doubt. That was that a hell of a question, and it was I, an you know, one, my yeah.
1: fingers don't type fast enough for me to cheat and look this stuff up. So I'm just, I'm kind of <laughs> racking my—I'm going off the skull, like just going racking my brain, trying to remember. And you know what's weird is you remember some of these teams and, in in the the sizable difference in win totals they've had because that's usually a huge story. It usually means somebody is getting coach of the year talk, or you know. Uh, Somebody that wasn't an all star becomes an all star based on one of those types of seasons, you know, Mm -hmm. where guys make a huge leap. Um, Shu GA, I got a, I got a little wrinkle for y'all. Give me, give me your all star reserves from the Eastern Mm -hmm. and Western Conference. Who you think should make it? Not who the coaches have chosen, but who you think. Who are the seven guys from the East and West? that you think should be on uh, on Team LeBron or Team Steph? Or Stephan, excuse me. It's Team Stephan, not Team Steph.
4: I'm going to let you go first.
3: All right, well... My first in the East was a guy I, I voted as a starter, and I think is the is the one obvious guy who has to make that team because the East is kind of tough because there's some everybody's got some flaws and some and some good points, but Oladipo is a, is an absolute for sure up. has yeah. to be on that list. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. The other guy I had as a star I've, I voted as a starter was Horford, because mm-hmm. um, no I think just two two way player he's he's a star. The other guard. Um, I guess it's Bradley Beal, uh, or Kyle Lowry. So I'll say in the East, my seven are Ola Depot and Lowry and Beal as three guards, mm-hmm. Horford for sure. It's tough, like, because you want to put Drummond on there, but and Porzingis, but and Kevin Love, but you know, like, there's all <laughs> they're all <laughs> tough. Um, I, I I guess those guys and uh, John Wall is tough, too, because he's he's really good, but it's just been um, an awful shooter off the dribble this year. And just I feel like I've been waiting for him to, like, turn it on. Um, But he's on there. I I haven't actually dug into reserves at all. Like, I put all my research into the starters and then was like, all right, my job is done.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it it is a tough call. I I went with Wall, you know. You can sit there and nitpick, but he's still getting 19-9. and 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 to me, really, he is a star. Oladipo, definitely. I I thought Mm Beal this year. The guy who was tough for me, who I thought should have been, not necessarily statistically, but because of the impact of the team, Dragic has been really good. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're a four seed. And it's just for me, I always find it hard to be in that position and not have an all-star. Right. Um, So, but... I couldn't take him over those other guys. Biggs, I went with Horford. I went with Love. Uh, And I think Porzingis Mm -hmm. as well. And uh, you know what? I got to go, I think, Lowry as well. Just because, you know, they've had such a good year. And again, you know, you're talking about them. They're only a game back in the loss column at this point from Boston and it'd be hard for Boston to get two and Toronto not get two right well that that would be eight GA by the way um (laughs) I w- I'm, I'm taking eight, man. You take fifteen. You take eight, and then you That's, tell
3: everybody who's listening just to pick the and to eliminate the or pick the one that they're favorite. That way, they didn't, you know, they didn't, they're not, they are they can not be angry at GA for yeah, right. for sliding their. Yeah, guy. yeah
4: exactly. Because whenever I see it, I like, was like, I will pick you. <laughs> like, oh, you know, like, okay. But we should go to fifteen. I mean, you know, we had twelve. You were doing twelve back when you had twelve teeth.
3: Right. Right.
4: Now no, no I it's thirteen. They teams, definitely add thirteen because they, the they have
3: thirteen active guys on the in the game. Exactly.
4: Yeah. Um, so you should at least go to thirteen. I, I don't so have. There, a, I'm, I'm, I have thirteen.
1: You got thirteen. Yeah. I don't have a problem with the guys that y'all mentioned either. I, I think that pool of players is definitely the group of guys you choose the East reserves from. I would have. I mean, I I I had a vote for the starters, but if I if if I was a coach and I could pick the reserves. I definitely would have gone Bradley Beal, John Wall. I think both of them would have been on there. I think Victor Oladipo, as you mentioned, is a lock. Um, Up front, I think there's no question Al Horford and Kevin Love deserve to be there. Um, And then Porzingis, even though he hasn't played like a superstar every night, he certainly played like an all-star. The toughest outs for me... We're not having Andre Drummond on there, who I think has had a fine season. Um, and not having a Heat player represented to me is makes, makes me uncomfortable when a team has yeah. played as well as they have. But sometimes you just don't have a guy who's played at that all star level above some of the other guys who are in contention for one of those spots. Um, Good point. So I, I just think, you know, sometimes some, you got to sacrifice somebody. If if I'm the Heat, would I rather have an all-star or would I rather be a top-four team in Eastern Conference? I'll take that top-four seat and let my let my well-paid roster get a little vacation time in Bimini or, you know, Turks and Caicos or whatever during All-Star Week. Um, Western Conference, I'll go first. And I think the West is is a little different because, to me, there have been – more than enough quality all-stars than they have slots for. Way more. Um, I'm I'm going reserves in the West. LaMarcus Aldridge, Jimmy Butler, Draymond, Carl Anthony Towns, Klay Thompson, Russell Westbrook, and Dame Lillard. Those would be my guys in the West. a good list. Yeah,
4: that would be a good list. It's hard to argue with that list.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I, I know Devin Booker's my guy. He's played some fantastic basketball, but I just don't know if I could put him in over some of those guys who are winning, whose teams are winning the way they are.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I can't I, – I don't have a problem with you being voted in if you're on a really bad team because that's why the fans get the opportunity because you want to see – the All-Star game, too, is about the talent. Yeah. You know, uh, the selection of the reserves is about the talent, but it's also – about the significance of your team. Yes. And and you gotta balance it. So I'm with you with Devin Booker. I, I kinda I, I'm with you across the board there. The only guy that I had a little reservation of, I shouldn't even say reservation, but the one guy who I thought I don't think's gotten enough credit this year is is Paul George. Yeah, that's I mean, he you're right. Paul George has had a really good year and he's been terrific defensively. You're right. As well. You know, like and, and, and he's a guy that I think kinda is getting lost. You know, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about how bad Oklahoma City was, but now all of a sudden they're starting to play really good basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously Westbrook's been Westbrook, but Paul George is right there as well. So so he's a guy, Dame Lillard, no doubt about it for me. I'll throw a wild card out there. Lou Williams. I thought about Lou. I did. I really did. He's a a guy who has had an incredible run here. And when you look at all the issues the Clippers have, they are right there in the mix to be a playoff team. Right. And, you know, we we look at his scoring, but when you look at his efficiency and the fact that he's also averaging over five assists a game, you know, that's an incredible number. He's shooting 45 from the field, 90 from the line, 40 from three. Uh He's been brilliant, so so he's another guy that that I would have in there. You, you talked about Aldridge. I had I had Aldridge and and Jimmy Butler starting mm. if, uh, on my on my list. Right, uh, and I, I have them obviously both being all stars as well.
1: If 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 the Clippers were not a 500 team, like if they were three or four games above 500, I think Lou Williams would have had a, a really nice strong case for one of those spots. I just feel like as well as he's played, they they didn't like they didn't cross that line and stay above that five hundred line like they would have needed to in the days weeks and days leading up to the coaches making those selections. And the other thing I feel like is the coaches a lot of times reward guys based on the profile. Let's just be honest. They mm-hmm. look they look at certain guys and say, Well this guy's an all-star. And I don't know if people look at Lou Williams, even when he's having a career year Thirteen seasons in, and say he's an all-star.
4: Whether yeah, I don't know that it's the fair. Thing is this year I throw him in there. The fact that they are five hundred is what's most impressive to me. Right. the fact that they lost Patrick Beverly, they haven't had Gallinari. Right, uh, they they they've been putting guys out there during the G League. <laughs> right. And all in all seriousness, no, no that's it's true. Respect. That's it's true. you know, I yeah. mean, and they are right in the mix for the postseason, you know, like so to me that's something that you, you gotta consider. You know, the guy who hasn't gotten any love in this, and I'm actually a little surprised by because we didn't bring him up either, is Jokic. I know. You know, what I mean it's they're tough. basically in the playoffs as of today and this guy's sixteen, ten and five and I mean he's you know, the, sometimes the stats don't always blow you away, but the impacts on the game and impacts on winning, he's been he's been pretty consistent for the Nuggets this year. But yeah. there's a lot a lot of guys that are deserving. That's why again I think we, we have to seriously consider adding at least one more roster yeah. spot for the all star game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think Jokic, Paul George and Lou Williams would be the three biggest Snubs in the West. Um, I think the dog agrees. I think Shoes Dog agrees with me too. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> shoe appreciate picks? it as always. Um, did you have Western Conference guys you disagreed I with do, us I, on?
3: I do. First two guards obviously are Manager Ginobili and Milos Teodosic. <laughs> oh, oh, I said, Wait a minute. Sorry, I let my heart get get yes. get in the way of my brain. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Now, Westbrook and Butler are obvious. Uh, Aldridge, Draymond Green, Carl Anthony Towns, who I actually had as a starter. I had Towns instead of Cousins as a starter. And then wild cards, I think it comes down to Clay Thompson, Paul George, and Lillard. Um, and I'll let, I'll let the people listening uh, eliminate the one that's not their favorite. I
1: just couldn't leave Clay off with some of the games he's had in in the role he's played for that team. Couldn't do He's it. He's
4: on my team too. Yeah, thirteen 14.
1: Yeah, GA is gonna take like twenty. He's like, look, I'm just yeah. put them in the party bus. I want, I want them all. I want them all. You just gonna get a sprinter and pull it up and be like, everybody get in. I'm taking eighteen cats with I'm me to LA. Fallstein. <laughs> Unbelievable. Look, Shu, we appreciate it as always. Um, great trivia question this week. And uh, feed that dog, and uh, we'll, we'll get with you next week. All right, fellas. Bless you. Appreciate it. Man, that dog is going. That dog is going ham. Ga. Yes, sir. Dog is going ham.
4: Um, I don't know. I think he wanted to get his All Star <laughs> reserves in as well.
1: Uh, I don't even. I can't remember the last time we picked on bragging rights. I don't. I don't even want to pick. I don't.
2: About three weeks
3: ago.
1: That's what I'm saying. I do huh. It's it's nice not having to come back being zero and three in bragging rights. It's like. It's like a, a burn-off of me.
3: I have some news for you. You uh-huh. were 0-3 three weeks ago. <laughs> That's what I'm Who saying.
1: 3 I did. I knew it. That's why I said. That's why I felt so good lately, G.A.
3: So we oh, are tied. Man. We're both at 12-12. and 12.
1: Unbelievable.
3: This week, we're going to start with Celtics-Warriors on
4: Saturday.
1: I'm going to Warriors. Warriors. Yeah, I'm going with the Warriors.
4: Especially after the how they lost to the Celtics. Yes. They, they're going to remember that one. Yes. And the Celtics will remember. it. I think in the, the other issue, Celtics struggling a little bit right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, having a, having a tough time right now. Yeah, a little having
4: bit. A, tough time. a little bit. To Sunday,
2: Clippers at Pelicans.
1: Pelicans. I'm going to Pelicans. I like what they're doing right now. What's the second one?
2: Clippers at Pelicans.
1: Ooh, man, that's a that's a tough one. Tough matchup, but I like.
2: on record
4: right now. Where are where we standing? Records wise, uh,
3: Pelicans are twenty and nineteen. The Clippers no, no, no. are I mean, eighteen I mean, and twenty-one. Oh, y'all are both twelve and. 12. Oh, we tied
4: up? Twelve and twelve. Oh, we oh. What <laughs> about like six games at one point? Yes, <laughs> this is a crazy number.
1: I'm doing. I'm going through that Cleveland Cavaliers tailspin right now. I can't get.
4: Yeah, right. you are, man. We might start <laughs> pointing fingers. I we not start <laughs> point fingers. Uh, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, I'm gonna go. Clippers.
3: Alright, then
1: later in the, in the day on Sunday, Sixers at Thunder. Ooh, I love I love these Sixer matinees where they get to play, you know, where they get to get on the big stage because M B loves these kinds of, it's of matchups. And, on he, ESPN. and he's got big boy, he's got some big boy basketball to play against the Thunder. Um but the Thunder have been playing a lot better then you realize until you look at I'm I'm going with Oklahoma City. I think they are on a definite upswing. And if San Antonio's not careful, by the way, they're going to give up that top four spot to the Thunder at some point.
4: Top four. Top four. San Antonio, they got to just get it together. They find themselves out in the first round with the way things are going right now. This is kind of scary. I'm, I'm anxious to get over there tonight. I, I'm going to go. I, I'm, you know, the Thunder are in such a groove right now playing so well. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to ride him as well. I'm gonna have to go with you. We we only gonna differ on one game. That way I can keep you in my sight. I was gonna where say where yeah. If I get, it's going happen to go well.
1: I need a one game cushion just to make my. You know I'm I'm very sensitive. I need I need to I need to win just to make myself. <laughs> 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 Ga safe travels, man. Listen, I appreciate you. I know I know you're on the road. Your schedule is wild and crazy, man. But as always. Appreciate the time you give us here rocking on the Hangtime Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe to Hangtime on Apple Podcasts for new episodes all season long. And don't forget to leave a review. We'll see you right here next week on the Hangtime Podcast.
2: Thanks for listening to the Hangtime
0: Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this season. And as always, say Kuna Matata. 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com/slash-with-amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, now it's almost tip-off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.